Hello and welcome to Kabam Mavs. I'm your host, Jesse Matarazzo. Today is the free agency special. A lot of news came out today about how the season is going to start. Free agency starts November 20th, two days after the draft, which is November 18th. So let's jump right into the craziness. All right, so before we get into free agency, I want to talk about uh, some news that has been developing in the last few days. Uh, the Board of Governors has decided, or at least preliminarily decided, that they are going to start the season December 22nd. Wow, that is a short turnaround. Uh, they wanted to do it the 22nd so they could have the ring ceremony and then have most of the big games on Christmas. Um, I don't exactly know all the details of why they can't do a ring ceremony on Christmas, but, you know, I'm not a billionaire, so. Um, Another bit of news coming out, Brad Townsend reporting on Twitter that basically anybody's up for grabs for the Mavs besides Luke and KP. Like, they're willing to explore all sorts of trade options, trying to get all the little things out there, and they apparently want to move into the lottery for some reason. Um... I really don't know why. I, I think that our the lottery this year is a little weak. Um, now, I'm not a paid scout, but I do pay a lot of attention to the draft, and I've spent a lot of time watching tape and evaluating some of these players. And really the best possible players that I think fit well that would be a win-now situation for us are really where we're at at 18. Um, I don't really see anybody that would make a bigger impact earlier on unless somebody came, uh, maybe was, maybe uh, Sadiq Bey gets drafted a little earlier. Maybe we want him. Maybe there's certain targets that they just really are high on and want to get them no matter what to add as the third guy. But I don't really see a third star coming out in the draft in the lottery unless you're talking about high lottery and I'm still not really that big on some of those guys uh, for a fit with this team so uh, I'll let you know more as as news develops the free agency is going to be November 20th the draft is November 18th the season is December 22nd I'm not exactly sure when players can opt in or out I would imagine that's a little bit before the draft hopefully Um, so I guess we'll see there, and then also we'll we'll look and see when is training camp actually going to start. Um, I would imagine it would start sometime at the beginning or end of uh, you know the beginning of December, end of November. Um, that's a very short turnaround, especially for like an older Lakers team that that went all the way and are trying to have a big turnaround. You know, Danny Green was on um, a Ringer podcast the other day and saying, you know, a lot of the guys on his team probably wouldn't be there the first month. Now, is that realistic? I don't know. But bottom line is the NBA needs money. So they're going to have to turn this thing around pretty quickly to to recoup those losses. There's going to be about of a 40% reduction in uh, revenue 
and that's going to come out of the player's pocket. So they may, maybe they don't want to start there, uh, start that early, but you know, when they're going to get taxed all that and the, uh, and having, you know, the, the, Revenue drop that much? Ooh, that's gonna be bad, especially for teams in California and New York. And oof, that's that's gonna be a big, big hit on their pocketbook, and that may <laughs> make the majority of the players say, you know what? Yeah, maybe we should start. So uh, it's going to be most likely reduced to seventy-two games. So that changes the dynamic a l- little bit, and that's one of the reasons why salary is going to drop by 12%. Um, so I think that the best course of action is for them to start that early. A lot of people are wanting an MLK day, uh, resurrection of of the season or of the league. Um, there's also a little bit of, you know, uncertainty on how they're going to schedule. Are they going to do regional bubbles? Now they're going to have, you know, whatever, um, whatever division all just play each other eight times and then play the rest of the league in a certain regional way. Uh, they may have to get creative there. Now they can't do the whole bubble like the whole season, which was, you know, to their credit, very impressive. Nobody got COVID-19. So that may be, you know, the regional bubbles may actually work out. Now they can't just lock them all down like they did in the bubble last season, but they could, maybe you know limit the amount of travel and cross uh contamination of different teams so we'll look for more information on that and i'll keep you updated on that so we're going to take a quick break and then when we return we will start breaking down this free agency let's set a stage you're donnie nelson it's the night of november 19th Hours before free agency. Giannis has already signed his extension of over $200 million, making him the richest player in NBA history. Tim Hardaway Jr. has already opted out of his $19 million player option. And now you have $20 million plus to sign somebody or some people to try to get better in this offseason, in a fairly weak offseason. What do you do? Well, let's talk about that. What are the f- top five unrestricted free agents in this free agency class? Let's go. So I'm Donnie Nelson, and I'm looking to get my team better. How do I check off the boxes? What are our team needs? Well, we need veteran leadership. We need championship experience. We need defense. We need outside shooting. We need somebody that's going to keep KP from getting injured and lighten the load on him. How do you check all those boxes in one player? Well, that is Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is a Congolese seven-footer from the Toronto Raptors. He's coming off of a very large contract, 20 plus million dollars, but... He's 30 now. He's a veteran. He uh, has won a lot. He's won a championship. He's been to the finals multiple times. 
He's been to the Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals. He has a lot of playoff experience. He can hit an outside shot at 38.5%. He can block a shot. He can play really good defense. He can rebound. He can play off the bench or start. He can guard the perimeter. He can play on the perimeter. He has a mid-range game. He has all of the things that you would need to lighten the load from KP. Now, KP can can sit on certain days. Ibaka can limit his minutes. Ibaka can play alongside him. He can do a lot of things. Ibaka can give you a 15 and 8 like he did last year. He can give you that defensive leadership, the positional leadership. He's a vocal leader and he's a dog and he will defend not only in the paint and on the perimeter, but he will defend your honor. He will go to war for you. He is a locker room guy. He is a type of player that will uh, bring everyone together. He's a glue guy. He has an amazing cooking show that you should check out. There's a lot of good reasons to have Serge Ibaka on this team. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's 30 years old. He doesn't mean the timeline. Well, he is the guy that is going to lead and mold all of these young players into being championship-level contenders. He's shown that he can do it with the younger guys on this Toronto team, with Pascal Siakam, with Fred Van Vliet. He has shown that he can be a leader. And not only that, he's funny, he's fun to be around, He's like a Boban that can play. So, and no respect, no disrespect to Boban. He can play, but uh, Serge Ibaka is on a whole different level. So that's where I'm at with, with Serge Ibaka. I feel he should be your number one pick if Tim Hardaway Jr. opts out. Now, another player from Toronto is uh, Fred Van Vliet. Now, Fred Van Vliet is like, if J.J. Barea just hit, like, another level, right, in his prime, he can come off screens like J.J., pull up and shoot the three like J.J., get to the basket like J.J., but he just does it all in a quicker, faster, stronger level, and um, they're, they're about the same size, but uh, Van Vliet is also a very good defender and team defender. He can definitely defend players that are in his uh, size range, um, he's very a, a very smart defender and a championship-level defender. He also has that championship-level uh, pedigree. He is amazing coming off screens and shooting off the dribble, shooting uh, f- over 40% from three. Um, and it wasn't just a bunch of catch-and-shoot threes. He was, he was coming off the dribble, coming off screens, uh, shooting threes in defenders' faces. So he was really able to get up in there and uh, get those points. Plus, he's he's proved to be uh, able to get into deep traffic and score in the lane and, uh, you know, finish at the basket. So he may have a little problems in the playoffs scoring at the basket with his small size, but he was he'd shown that his skill set uh, would 
often win over bigger opponents. So um, I'm confident there. He would definitely take the um, take a lot of pressure off of Luca for not only playmaking and scoring, but uh, help him on the defensive end when there are bigger or smaller guards that would be maybe quicker and harder for Luca to defend. I think that solves one of our problems as well as gives us another playmaker that is used to running a bench offense as well. Um, that then makes Brunson a possible tradable asset. Now, does this stunt his growth? No, because I would put Van Vliet in the starting lineup and let Brunson develop, but it would be an option if you were to uh, keep a trade possibility open for Brunson. Another thing that this does is it creates a situation where Van Vliet is 25 years old. He's on KP's timeline, so it would be okay to, unlike a lot of the players in this free agency, it would be okay to give him a four-year deal and be happy with it. You think that you're going to get a return on your investment. He's averaging 17 points a game right now. Does that go up to 20? It's it's very likely with him as, as the third option. I think also... He needs to get that field goal percentage up. It's only at 41%. That's pretty low. I'd like that to get up higher. It's the same as his three-point percentage. So that means is, you know, he's he needs to just upgrade that, uh, work on his finishing, work on his mid-range game maybe, um, and maybe with a little bit more acclimation in the starting lineup and what... Uh, Carlisle has proven to do time and time again with these smaller guards is just really uh, give them the opportunity to flourish. I think he could become a 21, 22 point per game player. Uh, Does he become a superstar? Probably not. Does he ask for more than 20 million? That's the real question. If he wants a 21, 20 something point per game and, you know, places like, um, um, places like uh, you know Miami or uh, New York or some of these places, would they maybe throw a lot of money at him? That's very possible, you know. So uh, I think if he was to be gotten for you know $18, 19000000 million, I think he pulled the trigger on that because I think he's going to recoup that. I always have a rule if they can match a point per million – uh, it's a pretty solid deal, and I think if he can get to 18, 19 points and you pay him 18, 19 million dollars, I think that's a fair trade. So um, I believe he can do it for the long run. He's got all the skill sets to uh, be consistent in that, and with him maybe moving to the starting lineup, I think it gives him a lot more chances and confidence to maybe become one of those more elite uh point guards in the league. Now, now is he be going to become a Jamal Murray? I don't think so, but you give him more opportunity and more confidence with Carlisle's system, you know, the sky's the limit on the amount of points you can score. Now, he's still going to be a liability against bigger point guards, especially, you know, going uh, to the 6-4, six, 6-3, six, you know, point guards. I mean, some of these guys are getting bigger and bigger, and can he effectively defend? I think in a lot of ways, yes, because he has the quickness 
he has just enough length and he just gets under people and pesters them. So uh, plus he's got the smarts to play good team defense. I'm in on Van Vliet. At first I wasn't because, oh, he's going to want way too much money. But after studying a lot of his tape and understanding what other players say about him and other, you know, when they're going up against him, uh, I'm sold on Van Vliet and I would absolutely uh, pick him up for the right price. Next on my list is Danilo Gallinari. Now, Danilo is 32 years old, so it is uh, right at the end of his prime. Now, the one thing that intrigues me about Gallinari is you can give him a one-year deal at a high dollar amount, and what you're getting in return is one, cap flexibility for a much deeper offseason next year. Two, you're getting a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, a guy that can create his own shot, a guy that's 6'10 and is a versatile defender, a guy that is uh, has playoff experience. He's a guy that is uh, very good off the dribble and creating his own shot. He will need nobody, but he's also a very good catch-and-shoot player. He brings a very dynamic offensive game. And at 6'10", it gives him a little bit more versatility on different ways to score. Now, you could give him a $17 million on a one-year deal and then sign your rookies, and you would still have that flexibility to move on next year to a better draft class. So that's why I added him to this. I would not give him more than a one-year deal, but I would give him a pretty hefty uh, contract to be able to keep it at one years, much like we used with DeAndre Jordan that led to the Kristaps Porzingis trade. That gives a good amount on an expiring deal for somebody else that is trying going to try to try their luck in free agency where we can maybe get on some of these uh, other trade options or we open ourselves up again for the possible Kawhi, Paul George um, uh, deals if they were to opt out of their own deals, um, as well as a whole bunch of other players that are going to possibly free, be free agents. That's why I do that deal. Um, also, there's the uh, Victor Oladipo being a free agent next year, and if he ends up being a a very good player and bouncing back to his former self, then I see him being an off-season target for us as well. So to keep that flexibility, I see Gallinari is an option. He's also an international guy. Yes, it would be a very um, European lineup, but um, I think it would keep with the vibe, and I think you could really get a lot of chemistry because I think that Gallinari's skill set offensively is also conducive to the other skill sets on the team. He doesn't he's not a guy that needs the ball to score, but he can score when he has his chances. He's also a willing passer and he's a solid defender. 
So you're not really giving up much weakness, except for the fact that he's 32. And he did have an ACL injury uh, in a few years prior, but he seemed to have been much more healthy in the last few years. So that's where I would go with that pick. Now, one of my favorite free agent targets is Joe Harris. Now, I know you're thinking Joe Harris is just a three-point shooter. No, he's much more than a three-point shooter. Yes, he's shot over 40% his whole career. However, he's also very good in the mid-range. He's very good getting to the basket. Most recently has developed that skill. He's a very versatile defender, very solid defender. Um, he's not, you know... a He's not a Kawhi or anything, but he's a he's a very good defender. Uh, all of the Nets fans seem to all love him, and that's one big thing. Anytime you want to look at a free agent, is what do the fans of the team he's on say about him? What are their frustrations of him? What are the likes and dislikes of him? And when you watch your own tape, what also pops out to you? What are his tendencies? Uh, Joe Harris passes the vibe check for sure. Now, Joe Harris is making, uh, he, he averaged 14 points a game. He's making about $10 million. I think you can get him for a, uh, for about 14 million. I would, I would think you'd have to give him three years, $14 million. I think that that is a contract that you could, uh, easily trade. You look at a JJ Redick um who is has a similar sort of skill set as Joe Harris and I believe JJ Redick is only making uh 11 or 12 million dollars. So I, I I do think that it is in the realm of possibility that he could come to this team if he does not re-sign with the Nets and you can get him for a very affordable contract and still have enough money to throw you know, another contract out there or sign your, uh, your rookies and then add a MLE as well. So there are a lot of options out there. I think he gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of skill set. Now he's 29 years old and you know, you don't, you get him uh, until he's 32. That that makes him (laughs) Gallinari's age when he's a free agent. I think that that is fine. I think with his skill set, he will definitely be still in his prime well into the end of that contract. So Joe Harris is somebody that Nets fans love. I love watching. He is a really good dude, and he will go to war with you on the court. So uh, he is definitely a very good third option. Now, the next person I want to talk about is actually a Texas alum, and uh, that's Tristan Thompson. He was one of the abandoned in the Cleveland Cavaliers where LeBron just left his children and Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love uh, to waste away in the horrible weather in Cleveland, but uh, Tristan Thompson has quietly become a very good player. He's averages a double-double, 10 and 12. Um, one of the most underrated rebounders in the NBA. A very solid defender, a very good shot blocker, 
Um, he can get you a block a game. He's uh, positionally sound. He has enough to guard on the perimeter. He, you know, will crash the boards. He's got a good mid-range game. He does not have a three-point shot. Um, I think he's a player that you could get for the mid-level exception. And I add him here because I think it's a possibility that you can get a player like him and, you know, somebody else. If you if you meet Cap with a Van Vliet or somebody like that and you're right at the cap, then you can use a mid-level exception on him. So adding two of those would, you know, two people where you have a playmaker and a three-point shooter and then also you add a rebounder and, you know, a veteran who has won a championship then you start to, you know, add a really good dynamic. And you kind of got your team full. He's, one thing about Tristan Thompson is he's a very good rim runner um, on the level of a Powell. And what he brings, uh, what Powell brings, uh, Tristan Thompson brings that on both sides. So I am high on him as a mid-level exception option. He's only making $12 million a year this year. And him hitting you know, his later years, it would be, you know, not a stretch to offer him an MLE and him take it. So I'm high on getting him. I think he would also take a one-year deal if you wanted to give him a little bit more money. So he gives you a lot of flexibility. He gives KP another player to sort of rim run and crash the boards where KP can just you know, work on his mid-range game and his three-point game and occasionally get that extra dunk when it's when it's up there for him. But uh, you want KP to really work on that um, glass shot he's got going where he banks it off the glass and, you know, some of these other mid-range moves. We need to get uh, Dirk out here and, and really coach him up on that. Um, but yeah, Tristan Thompson would be a very good option for a good price. Now, with all that being said, I think the most likely scenario, especially with the money getting tighter, that Tim Hardaway Jr. likely opts in to that contract, saving us from having to uh, really search and free agency for any players. Now, he he may give us the ability, if he opts in, to make a trade. And if he does opt in and we trade for, you know, a Drew Holiday or a Oladipo or, you know, something of that nature, or even adding him into a, uh, a Giannis trade, which is extremely unlikely. I think if Giannis gets traded, we're out. We, we have nothing to offer Milwaukee to make them want to add us into a trade unless it's like a Lakers situation where he goes, I am only going to re-sign with Dallas and you can either trade me now for uh, whatever Dallas has to offer you or I'm just going to walk for nothing in, in the offseason. Now, that is a one scenario, but we don't even have the picks that the Lakers had to give New Orleans. We don't have the young talent. We don't really have anything, and they don't owe us anything, and they could wait until 
uh, they could wait until the deadline when something else happened and maybe uh, that gave Giannis another chance. Maybe Miami swoops in and says, hey, well, we have assets. So I don't really think that that is a very uh, possible option for us. I think Oladipo is a lot more logical. I think the thing with Oladipo is if you put uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., the f- 18th pick and the 31st pick on draft night for Oladipo, uh, and you know maybe if they want to swap Lamb and Seth Curry in the deal too to sweeten it a little bit more for them, I don't really think we have to. The value on Oladipo is very low right now, and I think that they'd be more than happy to get THJ and some picks for Depot. That's what I'm hearing from around the league, from Woj and, and, um, and uh, you know, Windhorse and some of these other guys uh, where they really are low on Oladipo's value. Uh, we would be taking a chance, and Casey Smith, God bless his heart, would have work cut out for him trying to get... Uh, KP and Oladipo healthy for the next season, but I do think that that would be another option um, if we looked at his medicals and we're like, okay, this dude's good, everything's good, it's just going to take a little time for him to get his game back. If that's the case, you got to pull the trigger because one, you get a trial run with Oladipo and if it really works out really well, you re-sign him to a long deal. If not, you're still in for Giannis. And I think if we get his bird rights in that trade, obviously, we would be getting his bird rights. Then we would be able to sign over the cap to keep him if we signed Giannis. So I'm not exactly sure how that works. I don't know if they've made any other restrictions on that. But I do believe that if he is on our roster and we retain his bird rights, we are allowed to sign somebody in the offseason and sign uh, Oladipo going over. Now, I think there may be restrictions on how much we can sign him for. I'll have to look more in depth, and maybe we'll just do a Depot trade episode to uh, really explore all those options. But it does give us the flexibility to have a competing team this year and still be in the Giannis run. So I am pro Oladipo because I think he's still very good on the defensive end, regardless of how well he is offensively. And I think that his style of play, he's still going to be effective as a third option um, on this team. So those are other avenues. Now there's a lot of different trade ideas and we'll do a trade episode, but For now, I want to keep it kind of simple on that side. Uh, I'm very excited for the future. I'm very excited for what we do. But know this, even if we don't make any good deals, Tim Hardaway Jr. opts in, we get a normal, regular player. Like, maybe we luck out and get, you know, a player like Jay Crowder on the MLE and re-sign Tim Hardaway and maybe a couple of vet minimum pickups in our draft picks and that's it, you know, don't be disappointed because I think really where we're going to take charge is the next off season when money's back up, the salary's back up 
and there's a lot more free agents and a little bit more flexibility. Listen, this team has thrived for decades on trades. And if we just create trade assets and move those around, that's where we're really going to make this team better. So don't worry if we don't come out with a big fish and we don't make a big trade. It's all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to compete. Uh, We just need to focus on making sure KP is healthy. Another thing I want to talk about before I go is the fact that KP is now going to have a shorter offseason to recover from that torn lateral meniscus. Now, they did take a little bit of his meniscus out. I don't think it was it was very much, which means his recovery time is a little less, but you really don't want to see them losing that any meniscus. Um, so in the long term, that may affect him, uh, but uh, it, it's... Jury's still out on on the severity of that. We don't really know all the information, and I do believe it is more of a minor amount of meniscus that they did remove. I do think that he will be ready by the time the offseason starts, but he may miss training camp, and that would be really bad. I, I really want him to be there for training camp. I want him to be there for... Um, all of the activities going forward and building that chemistry with with Luca again. So we will see how that goes. Anyway, guys, I'm going to get out of here. We will be talking uh, very soon. Uh, I believe I'm going to be releasing a Giannis episode very soon. So look out for that one. If you have any questions, please leave a five-star review on iTunes and ask away, and I will answer in a future pod. Also, like and follow on Spotify, and follow me at Kabam Sports on Twitter, and I will ask answer any questions there. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.